listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. Romans chapter 4. I'm going to read a few verses here and then pray and ask God for divine help for all of us to understand what those verses say. So listen to what it says. Romans 4, I'll begin reading in verse number 9. It says this, Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him as well the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Can you understand why we need help today? Okay. We need divine enablement. Maybe you're here visiting today. You're like, what are you going to be talking about today? Well, it's exciting because it's in the word of God. And so would you join me as I lead us in prayer? Father, today we need your spirit to enlighten our minds and then prick our hearts. We need spiritual work to be done And we know that whenever your word is presented, it will not return void. And so today I ask that it would be like the hammer that breaks the rock, that it would be like the sword that cuts asunder and and, and shows the thoughts and intents of the heart, that it would be like a fire and that you would use your word to change us to be more like you. Father, help us today as we hear from it. In Jesus' name, amen. As you heard at the beginning of our service, tonight I'm going to share a little bit about our Holy Land trip that I just returned from just a few weeks ago. Someone made the comment while we were on the trip that they found it interesting. I can't remember if they said interesting or entertaining, okay, watching me handle everything that came at me during the tour. One of the things they particularly noticed was all the questions that I was asked. Okay, Any of you who have ever led an event or a tour will know that you will face tons of questions. Those of you who have done family trips with your kids, you know you are in, in store for lots of different questions. When are we going to get there? When are we going to stop? All the questions, they just add up. Those of you who are parents, you learn to navigate 
lots of questions when your children are able to begin to talk. Once your child starts school, they too learn how to navigate questions in order to test their knowledge. All of life is filled with questions. Questions are good. Why? Because questions hopefully lead us to truth, bring us to answers. What was the last question that you were asked? The one I just asked you, okay? You're asked questions all the time, okay? As you consider all the questions that you face in life, the most important questions in life actually concern your death. How do you prepare for death? Because it's coming. How do you answer the questions, those questions about death are absolutely critical for all eternity. Of course, when it comes to death, we're often offered remedies to deal with death. Things that try to, you could say, postpone death. And hey, this is how you prepare for it. Just like today, you're going to be offered numbers of different options for lunch on your way home. You'll see on signs, Whoppers on sale. Some of you are not going to be tempted by that, okay? You'll have lots of advertisements. Hey, eat here, eat here. When it comes to death, you are offered all the time answers or remedies or uh, ways to deal with that looming question of life. Romans, this letter that we have been exploring over the last now 15 weeks, Romans is a letter that deals with that very important question of how we escape life. I mean, how do we escape death at the end of our lives here? And it provides for us the only way of escape, the only way of rescue, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the way that God chose to allow humanity to be rescued. Why? Because all of us, Every one of us is under God's wrath, but God in his grace provided what I would often refer to as an alien righteousness, a righteousness that is out of this world, something that none of us could provide. And that righteousness is found through faith in Jesus Christ. It is nothing that you can provide in and of yourselves. It is not of works as we learned last week. As we began to explore Romans 4 last week, we looked in Romans 4 verses 1 through 8, and what Paul did was he brought kind of the premier guide to the stand to prove to you that salvation is not your own doing. It is the result of grace through faith. The guy he brought to the stand was none other than Abraham. And in those first eight verses, he reiterates to us how a person is saved. Our text today builds on that. He will reiterate some of those things, but he doesn't answer how. Today he answers who can be saved. Now remember, Paul is writing to a local church just like us that was in the city of Rome 2,000 years ago. 
It was a church that was predominantly Gentile, which meant non-Jews. It had numbers of Jews, and one of the people, one of the Jews who wasn't there at that time, he was writing to them, was Paul. He was a Jew. He was steeped at one time in Judaism. He had the marks of being a Jew. He had been circumcised. He was one who for years followed, in some ways to the T, like a Pharisee, the Mosaic law. But the lurking question for these Romans as they read this letter was this. Is salvation... This beautiful gospel that he's provided is salvation only for those who become Jewish or Jews. Do I need to become and succumb to all of those particular regulations, rules, or is this blessing that Paul talked about at the beginning of chapter 4, is this blessing of salvation and forgiveness for anybody? Or is it just reserved for those who are practicing Jews? Now, most of you who came into church today did not come with that pressing question on your mind. That was not like, oh, I wonder if he's going to answer that question today. Okay. But maybe your question is similar. Is this salvation by faith in Jesus Christ open to anybody, period? Is it simply faith in Jesus Christ and you're done? Can I be blessed too? Can anybody be blessed? Today, we will begin to find the answers with questions. Paul asked a number of questions. In fact, what I'm going to uncover for you today is this. We're going to see three questions, but they're all kind of one question. And then we're going to see a definitive answer. So today, to start with, is this. Can I be blessed too? You who are Gentiles, can you be blessed too? Well, three questions really to ask a big question. Paul opens with three questions that kind of build on each other. Look at it says in verse number nine. It says this, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Now, that question is the big question. I would say the main question. Notice he says, is this blessing? What is he talking about this blessing? What's going on here that he says, is this blessing for not simply the circumcised, but for the uncircumcised? Well, the blessing that he's talking about has been already referred to at the beginning of chapter four. And the blessing is this, can you and me, could we receive God's righteousness by faith, that blessing, and then Notice what it says a few verses earlier in verse 6. It says this, Just as David also speaks of the what? The blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Can you and I have the blessing of having 
God's credited righteousness to us by faith and to have the blessing of total forgiveness of our sins. Can I have this? Or is it only for the, you could say, the circumcised? Illustrate it this way. Let's say that Pastor Mark was throwing a big cookout, okay, at his house. And you hear that the staff is going to the cookout. And you want to come. You want to be there. You want to be a part. And so you're asking yourself, can I come too? Can I be a part? Who's invited? Is it just the staff? Do you have to be kind of on paid staff to do this? Can anyone share in the blessing of Mark's grilling? Can anyone play on his grass that he's so excited about in his front yard right now? Or do I need to be on paid staff to go to the, go to the party? Do I need to be able to sing on tune? Will he check me? Do you have to be able to sing to be a part of the cookout? Do I have to bring something with me? I mean, is it required that you bring dessert? Like Baptists, they always have to bring something, okay? What's being asked is this, this incredible blessing of coming into God's family and having salvation by faith, is it simply for people who do certain things? That brings up this question of circumcision, okay? First of all, for half the people in this room, okay, this is not an option for you, okay? Circumcision was a definitive sign for male Jews who particularly were following the Mosaic law. Okay, now let me, let me help you with this. The Mosaic law was given to Israel, I believe, around 1446 B.C., and it was given to Israel as a nation to uh, help them to be a light to the world, help to protect them from, you could say, being caught into all the sins of the world at that time, and to help them to, be in, to, to begin to be a light to the world. So from 1446 B.C. until Jesus came and you could say fulfilled the law, Part of the Mosaic law was this idea of circumcision. However, circumcision predated the Mosaic law by 500 years. So 500 years before that, to the time of Abraham, if you wanted to be a part of the Jewish community or you were a son of Abraham, you needed this identifier of being circumcised. It was kind of the litmus test. What Paul is asking here in verse 9 was this. Paul is asking whether this sign, circumcision, however, I think he's spreading it out broadly. He says, circumcision was just the clear visible sign, but I think he's kind of uh, talking about broadly the entire Mosaic law observance. Is this essential for salvation? Do I need to believe in faith in Christ, and then do I need to start law-keeping 
because he's writing to this group of people who were in what? Rome. Did they need to become Jewish? Did they need to succumb and follow in this? Paul is again asking, okay, in this, he's going back to what he's already addressed in the first eight verses. He's asking again about the necessity of works. Do I need to do these things? What's essential? Okay, so as soon as he asks that question, he answers it. Look what he says at the end of verse 9. For if Abraham was justified, and that word justified is this, if he was given God's righteousness at a very precise moment in time, and he was given righteousness, if he was justified by, oh, excuse me, uh, I'm reading, that was in verse 2. Okay, he says this at the end of verse uh, 9. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as what? Righteousness. He received God's credited righteousness and was forgiven of all of his sin by what? By faith. That's how he received righteousness. So Paul is here. As soon as he asked the question, can anyone be blessed? He says, let me remind you, it's faith by which Abraham got justified. But Paul then goes and proves his point with two follow-up questions. Look what he says now in verse 10. He says this, how then was it counted to him? Okay, question. And then he says this, was it before or after he was circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. And basically Paul says, okay, hey, you want, an, you want the answer to this question? Let's look at the timetable. Now, all of us have seen probably or watched court cases, and they got solved simply by looking at the facts of the timetable. That person couldn't have done it because they're on video over here, and you just look at the timetable. Well, that's what Paul's doing here. He says, just look at the timetable. How was Abraham given righteousness? Was it before he was circumcised or after? Was, was that required? And he's basically saying, eh, look at the facts. Okay, all of you in this room, as you and I become more and more aware and we hear these truths that are in Romans 1, 2, and 3, once you begin to understand that salvation is by grace through faith alone, there are numbers of objections that you bring up yourself. And you're like, is it really that? Is that really that's all that's needed? Do I need to do these other things in order to have my sins forgiven? What do I need to bring to the party? I mean, when I get to heaven, do I need to have like a casserole? Okay. Do I need to have some cheesecake or something like that? Do I need to have like, hey, I went to church 50% of the time. Are you sure he's going to let you in? I mean, you always hear the joke of Peter at the gate. Can my kids come with me? I got a lot of them. Can they come too? 
Do I need church clothes? I mean, is it, what do I have to wear? Am I going to stick out like a sore thumb when I get there? Did the Romans need to submit to the Mosaic law or was it faith alone? Who could come to the party? Honestly, this blessing of forgiveness, okay, if really, if you need forgiveness and you need the righteousness of God in order to get to heaven, you better check this, okay? This is not something that you want to be mixed up about when you get to heaven. This is not something that you want to be iffy on. You know what? A similar question happened in the history of the church in Acts chapter 15. Okay, I'm not going to take you there, but let me just tell you. Do you remember Jesus resurrected, okay, at the end of the Gospels? He appeared, and you can read about his appearing at the beginning of Acts. And then the gospel goes primarily to what group of people initially? The Jews. However, God and his providence did not, it wasn't just for the Jews, it was for all. And there was a very prominent event that happened in Acts chapter 10, where a guy by the name of Cornelius, who was a clear Gentile, God was drawing to himself. He needed to hear the word. And so he used Peter to come to deliver the word. And here was a guy who had not been observing the Mosaic law. And God has to tell Peter repeatedly, what I have made clean, do not call unclean. And there were all these dietary laws that Peter thought he had to at least continue to subscribe to. And God was just making it clear, and really the whole story of Acts chapter 10 and 11 is how the gospel is open to the Gentiles, and how are they saved? It's by faith in Christ. But then when you get to Acts chapter 15, there was a church, kind of like Lebanon, that got started in Antioch, okay? It got started in Antioch, and there were people who started coming in and saying, hey, faith in Christ, but you know what? you got to be circumcised. you got to start following the law. And so Paul heads back down, and they have this big conference in, uh, they call it the Jerusalem Council. And what was solved at the Jerusalem Council was this. Did Gentiles need to observe all of these laws? And the answer was this, No. However, he did say, because all of these Jews and Gentiles are getting together and because Moses is preached all across the world, this is going to be a very difficult transition. So I'm going to ask that the Gentiles observe a few of these things. For a, and basically, some of them were clear that we need to continue to do. But he says, can they do these as this group is coming together? But this was the answer here. So in these questions, we have a reminder of the former answer. Okay, when when Paul says this, can anybody be blessed? Is it just for the uncircumcised or is uh, is it just for the circumcised or is it for the uncircumcised? His answer, first of all, is this. I want to reiterate to you, it's by faith uh, alone. That's how Abraham got saved. But now he goes on and takes a step further on who can be saved. And listen to what 
my second point is this. So if I'm asking this question, can I be blessed too? Here's the answer. Yes. You can follow in the faith of Abraham. You can. In fact, Paul now proves his point with a kind of full answer. Notice first, he asks them to visit the timeline again. Look what it says in verse 10. Uh, It says, how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. And now he elaborates on it. He says in verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had, how? By faith, while he was still uncircumcised. So he's basically saying this. Okay, all of you are wondering by what basis he gives righteousness. Let me just make it very clear to you. It's not by him being circumcised and following the law. He got saved a long time before he was circumcised. In fact, if you look at Abraham's timetable, he received the crediting of God's righteousness in Genesis 15. And how does he get it? He gets it by faith. He is circumcised at the end of chapter 17. How many years were in between? Well, some rabbis say it was 29 years. It's at least, I think, 13 years. But it was numbers of years later that he submits to this circumcision that God wanted for his people. So he proves that faith is the means of receiving God's righteousness. And as a reminder to you, if you're going to get saved, it is nothing that you bring to the table. Faith is the ground. Okay, faith in Christ's work will be the ground that anyone gets saved in. I think I've explained this to you. Imagine that uh, this podium stood for Christ on the cross. Okay, and imagine everybody over here, these are all the Old Testament people, people who live from Adam until Jesus. Everybody has always been saved by grace. They didn't deserve it. Through faith, they looked, they heard the word, and they had to believe it. The ground of it was Christ, what he would do. They looked forward to him. Now, how much information did they have? There's a lot of times questioned, how much information? Well, it's interesting. Did you know Job, who lived, we believe, even before Abraham, said this, for I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at a latter day upon this earth. And though after my death, worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see and not another, how my heart yearns for that day. So, They knew a lot more than you and I give them credit to. And then you and I, who live in 2023, we are also saved by grace. We don't deserve it. Through faith in what God said, his word. But there's a lot more information than we have learned about it. In fact, the Bible says, neither is salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men whereby a person can be saved. It's only through Jesus. If you are here today and you think you can get to God all different sides of the mountain. You say, oh, Islam, they're going to come up this way and Hindus are going to come up and we're all going to end up finding God in our own manner. That is a lie from the pit of hell. 
The true story is not that we all climb up the mountain different ways and we're all going to find God. The truth of the story is that God who was on the top of the mountain came down from his mountain in the person of Jesus Christ and died for you. And there is only salvation in Jesus and him alone. And you have to believe in him. So, was, what was circumcision then for? Why in the world did he institute this? Why was this, I mean, this was confusing. Now notice what it says in the text. Look what it says in verse, again, verse 11. Abraham, or that's he, he received the sign of circumcision, that physical sign, as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So notice the word, it was a sign and it was a seal. It was a physical sign. And it was to remind him of him being a part of God's covenant. God had selected a group of people who ultimately would be, you could say, the nursery You and I set aside sometimes a certain room in our house that will be the nursery by which ultimately our kid will grow and develop. God chose a people, a clan, and it was the Jewish nation to be the nursery from which Messiah would come. And he gave them certain requirements for a certain amount of time. But that physical act was there to be a physical reminder of him setting them apart. Notice it's interesting, when Paul talks about it, he says this, he received the sign of circumcision. It's interesting that he he focuses on not the point of he does it, but that he receives it. Not him accomplishing it, but that it was almost like something that he accepted from somebody else. God said, this is what I want you to do. And it was going to be a seal to authenticate something. And the idea is like in in ancient times, seals were often used to authenticate something. Like uh, uh, I'll probably maybe even share something tonight about things that they've discovered. Bulas, which were like seals that they would put on ancient uh, scrolls that would authenticate the scroll that it was something from certain people. Well, basically God said, Abraham, he was saved by faith, by grace through faith. Years later, I gave him a sign to to be a sign to the world and also to authenticate the truth to him of what I was doing with that particular group. It's almost like uh, uh, when I traveled out of the country, I have to provide, you could say, a seal of my citizenship. That's my passport. That this is kind of a seal to prove that I can get back in. It was kind of a seal to him of this commitment that he's made in his life. The physical act of circumcision was simply a sign and a seal of the faith that Abraham exercised. They were important for him to do because they showed obedience that was rooted in his faith. But notice, what Paul does now is he doesn't stop there. He has a purpose in all this. Notice what it says now in verse, at the end of verse 11. The purpose was to make him, Abraham, 
the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. Now, why did he plan it in the timetable he did? He wanted to be very clear to everybody. It was first to show that anyone, if they are uncircumcised and were not given the Mosaic law, anyone who follows in Abraham's faith can be blessed. And I love this. It's interesting. Who does he focus on first? He focuses on the Gentiles. That's special. He says, all of you, you can be, you can come and be a child of God by following in the faith of Abraham without being circumcised. But then in, at the, in verse 12, he includes those who were circumcised. He says, and to make him the father of the circumcised. And then he adds this little caveat, who are not merely circumcised, but who walk also in the faith or walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was uncircumcised. Or excuse me, before he was circumcised. So he now includes the Jews as well, but he stresses that it was for them by faith, not physical circumcision. Paul has already said earlier in this letter that it's a spiritual circumcision that's important. In fact, he says in chapter 2, let me just read it to you, verse 28 and 29, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Okay, I feel like I'm climbing up a hill uh, trying to explain this. But what this whole text is saying is this. Abraham is to be, and he can be, the father of everybody, whether circumcised or uncircumcised. You have to follow in the faith of Abraham. It is not simply for, his, for those who are physically circumcised. This is to show that all people of faith must follow in the footsteps of Abraham who believed God. All of us can be saved by faith. And what he's going to do, and, and I have to realize that I got the whole rest of Romans to continue to explain this, but what does this mean for you and me? Okay, and here's where we'll just close it out. Everybody in this room, you can and you must walk in the footsteps of Abraham's faith. You have to believe in God and his word, what he says, what he's promised. You believe in it. What has he revealed up to 2023? Believe it by faith. Become a follower of Jesus. Do you believe, so if you're here in this room, do you believe that Jesus is God's final word. I mean, you think of Hebrews 1, God who in sundry times and in various ways spoke in times past by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us through his what? Through his son. Who was his son? It was Jesus. Jesus. 
When God chose to send a forerunner before Jesus, he sent a man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who was just a few months older than Jesus, began to speak in the wilderness, reminding everybody, you are all sinners, and unless you repent, you will perish. And here were a bunch of people who began to see, yes, I am a sinner. And he says, now to symbolize that you are repentant, I want you to uh, succumb, or you could say submit to the rite of baptism by repentance. And it was, a, it was a beautiful picture of, I don't want my sin anymore. But John the Baptist didn't stop there. He says, I baptize you, but there is one who's coming, whose sandal I am not willing to unloose. He will baptize you with the what? The spirit and the power. I want you to look for him. And then it was not much longer, he shows up. And you remember what John the Baptist says? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Here he is. A little bit later, Jesus now has been uncovering to the world who he is, and he feeds the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish. And all the people are like, we want to do these works. Man, if we could be a breadbasket, if we could help do this, how do we work those works? And you remember what Jesus says to them? Listen to what he says. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. And he, no doubt, maybe he pointed to himself at that point. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And that's what we often do. How can I, what do I need to do? Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered, this is not your work. This is the work of who? God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You've got to believe in Jesus. That is the ground of your salvation. So if you're here today and you have never placed your faith in God's son, believe in him. But let me take it one step further. What is now the sign of the new covenant? If that was the old covenant, What's the sign of the new covenant? Does that mean, okay, do I need to get that bumper sticker? I've seen that fish bumper sticker. And do I need to get the fish bumper sticker? Is that the sign to let everybody know in the neighborhood? Now, that could be a bad testimony for the church because I've seen how some of you drive. I know how I drive, okay? That should not be the sign of the covenant, okay? Is it a tattoo? Do I need to get the cross tattoo? Even maybe a small one, big one, is that, is that the sign of the covenant? Do I need to have a necklace? A necklace, is that the sign that I am a follower of Jesus? Well, in fact, you know what he says is the sign? Now, it's baptism. You let people know, like circumcision was a sign of the old covenant for those who were a part of that. Baptism is a sign of the new, Okay. It's not the means of your salvation. If you're depending, I got baptized when I was sprinkled, when I was one, or I did this. If you're depending on your work, you are in trouble because your work's not going to give you one day in heaven. It's only Jesus' finished work. But he has said, if you have believed in him, 
you display that you are a follower of his by submitting to baptism. It's not the means of salvation, but he has said this is what you're supposed to do. And if you, and and there are people who are peddling the truth that you need to believe, and then you also have to be baptized to be saved. And that's adding to salvation, okay? It's wrong. It's not for salvation, but it is for obedience. You want to obey him. But you may, if you're here today and you've never submitted to believer's baptism, you may want to authenticate your faith with that step, like Abraham did by submitting to God for the old covenant, you could say. But you know what I think is one of the most clear demonstrations that you and I, it's a sign. Baptism is kind of a visual sign, but most of us probably didn't see each other get baptized unless you kind of grew up here or been here for a little bit of time. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you do what? You love the brothers. One way that you can show this every day of your life is you can love the brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, who are they? Well, they're right here. Are you displaying your faith through your works? In fact, in Galatians, it says, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avail anything, but faith that works through what? Love. You display it by loving. How much have you loved the brothers? How much are you investing in you, and how much are you investing in the body? You ought to look for more ways to invest in the way that we advertise to this community that we are people of faith, is we we do it through baptism initially, but then we do it through loving the brothers. And then what's the seal of this that kind of is like the seal for us that we are followers of God? Well, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God is now the seal for us that we are his followers. In fact, listen to what he says in Ephesians 4. He says this, in whom you also, when you heard the word of truth, okay, Some of you, that was when you were eight years old, and you held off on getting saved until you were 14, but then you believed in it, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, and what happened? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The moment you got saved, what happened is he authenticated and sealed it by depositing into your life God himself, the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. You now have the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And you know what that Holy Spirit is doing? He is every day using all the situations in life as you submit to that Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. I mean, you can just go through the list. And you know what helps to authenticate it to you? It's the Spirit of God who lives in you. He's pushing you always to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me say, if you don't have that seal and you don't sense the Spirit who is convicting you, and then you better check, have I actually believed in Christ? Because he is the seal of the salvation that you have. So, we end with this. Who is this avail- available to? Every single one of you. 
All of you can go by Father Abraham's way, by faith in God's word. And his word is none other than his son, Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, and I'll end with this. If he can be, if anyone can be saved, that means, guess what? Everybody in your neighborhood has a target on them. (laughs) Share it. I mean, when's the last time you shared? I mean, I was thinking about that for myself. I want to be better at just sharing the message of Jesus. Because can anyone have this blessing? Yes, if we just follow Father Abraham. But more importantly, Father Abraham says you need to follow who? God. And God pointed you to his what? His son, who did everything for your salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.